This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viore.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome to Through the Ringer. I'm your host, Tate Frazier, and joining me, you know him from Ringer Wise Guys, Cousin Sal's winning weekend, mm -hmm. plenty of things against all odds, but of course, he's the great Cousin Sal. Sal, great to see you. Great to see you, and I want to congratulate you right off the bat. Right. You called it the Monday night game, 20-17. to 17. Oh, no. But you had the wrong team, didn't you? <laughs> you had the wrong damn team. Not the Chargers, oh, no. the Cowboys. Oh, no. So I, easy. I so knew easy. this was going to happen. Uh, I like to say this on my show. Right logic, wrong pick. I knew what the final score was. I closed my eyes. I saw it on the scoreboard. And in fact, Sal, it was the same exact score as 2021 uh, when the Cowboys came to play the Chargers. They win 20-17. to 17. Who cares? Who cares about history? Well, they did it again. Yeah. And history repeats itself. That's just how it goes. It's technically and, history. Uh, yeah, it right. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. history. Right, and, I'm excited. Uh, I'm excited to get that win. And by the way, you won too. You should mention right. to everybody you have season tickets. Tay was one of the few people to make money off of this game right. by selling these uh, tickets. That's Sal. how you know. do it, Sal. That's what I learned. I you can't get season believe tickets, it. and yeah. uh, you just sell them off. This and... TV thing is your side hustle. It's <laughs> right. not even your first. Yeah, this thing. is just more for fun, so I yeah. can talk about the games and get people excited to want to go to those games. You get it. We're right. breaking the fourth wall for everyone. But we watched together. It was yeah. an ugly game, penalty right. wise. It was like a hundred. It was like sixteen accepted penalties or something over one hundred and sixty yards that was gross for sure we'll talk about the quarterbacks whatever you want to talk about Tate let's talk about the coaches because okay. that was the grossest part to me so we yeah. have a show down here we have Brandon Staley taking on Mike McCarthy who can have a coaching blunder to ruin this game that was the competition and it turns out that both coaches got in the red zone go for it on fourth and one and do not get it yeah. um it felt like the Spider-Man meme it felt like they were just trying to figure out who's who what was your takeaway do you feel better about McCarthy after this game no. even though they won no, okay no great. no I first of all <laughs> Well, I actually think Staley won the coaching battle by a, just a nut, just a little mm -hmm. bit, right? You mentioned he went on fourth and one and didn't make it. I think they don't have a fourth and one play. I really do, whether Eckler's back or not. He should just announce, like, look, I go for 26% of the time on fourth down. I think that's third in the NFL. I just don't have a fourth and one play. So enjoy the ride, guys. <laughs> we'll see what happens here. McCarthy, on the other hand, I don't know what happened to those six seconds that disappeared. There was that magician from Hard Knocks. Right. Like they went from like nine seconds to three, and they're kicking that field goal. McCarthy was fine with it before the half. 
and also just blunders on fourth down too. So yeah, it was a it was a mess. Yeah, and apologies to the Chargers fans that they showed in the crowd after Justin Herbert tied the game seventeen to seventeen. It it felt like it felt like things were turning, you know, in the the tide of the bolts and they could win this game. But unfortunately for all the Chargers fans like her, um, it was the Cowboys who had the answer at the end. More specifically, CD Lamb. What was your reaction seeing him? He played like a real true number one receiver tonight for Dallas. He's the man, and he has to be because Gallup has been a disappointment. Now, he made a couple of catches. That was a weird thing, too, where he went out of bounds and they kept running the clock. But uh, he made a couple of catches, but he he dropped one right through his hands in the end zone, just not getting – consistently not getting separation – Cooks had a nice game. This mm-hmm. was his best game. Couple clutch catches, and uh, you know, we we don't. I think we we hit a tight end like once through three quarters. So it's a weird mix what they're doing. So I'm not sure what Dak is supposed to do. He definitely did better uh, than Herbert. Herbert had his problems. And Herbert uh, at the end of this game ends up throwing an interception to yeah. Stephon Gilmore. And uh, you had a nice little prop there, right, for Herbert to Thank throw you for a pick. Yeah. I wouldn't say because I don't I, like. To I wanted brag. to say it, right? No, I don't like to brag at all. So well, you nice almost had a same up. game parlay as well. If Tony Pollard doesn't get chased down and scores a touchdown there on the 60 yard play yeah we might be talking about two things that you hit but yes i never had two things out of bed yes but <laughs> and he also was that. overthrown one of Dak's bad throws not right. too many in the end zone yeah so by, on his it. fingertips and yeah. uh you know it was a tough catch over the head willie may's status but wasn't able to pull it in right. um what do we take away from herbert here because herbert now on his career 27 and 27 he's a 500 quarterback but if you hear the experts they would not talk about him they would talk about him in a lot more glowing fashion um I, yeah. what's what's the takeaway after this performance especially ending the game with the pick I think he looks good a lot of the time I think he runs the ball he's pretty dynamic when he takes off and you know he's got a gun uh, just a cannon back there but uh, I don't have a problem with his mechanics but he's he's fine he's like a, a top seven or eight quarterback I don't mm. know why everybody has to send him the canton I'm I'll probably get canceled for talking about him I'm like you're not supposed to talk bad about Justin Herbert and it's easy to blame the coach and everything, but some of these losses come on him. They really do. Yeah. There's some bad throws to, uh, Monday night. Well, we're going to have to take that out because uh, oh. we, we want us to be able to keep talking football. You That's know what right. I mean? yeah, yeah, we, we don't want to offend anyone in Justin Herbert land. So crazy. But it is fascinating. And uh, once again in SoFi, we see Cowboys fans. And if you watch the game, when anything happened good for the Cowboys, you hear the crowd roar. Right. When the Chargers have something good happen, you hear like a little minuscule roll. I mean, when does this kind of saga end where SoFi actually happens? has an hope field advantage for the home team. You know, I did a thing last week on Cousin Sal's winning weekend. I don't know what you have to do. I, I proposed some a few options here. You could, um, first of all, it's a $5 billion site, <laughs> and we're in Hollywood. Have an earthquake in there and shake out yeah. all the, the uh, out-of-town fans. <laughs> That'd be a nice way to do Or give everyone a part in the Mandalorian. I mean, mm. there are a couple of things you could do if they wear a Chargers jersey, you know? I'm not sure what it is, uh, why nobody's embracing this team. Although it is, uh, I did feel like I was watching my team, but the AFC version as well, so... It's a it's a heartbreaking uh, squad. Yeah, sure. definitely, and I feel bad for all the Chargers faithful out there, like myself, who have season tickets and who are trying to see a team <laughs> uh, develop and turn into You're something. Never going. <laughs> <laughs> let's uh, let's have some fun here because uh, yeah, I finally, ch- let's yeah, have fun. let's have some fun. Let's track to the future right now, mm. and let's talk about our defensive player of the year because he had a huge sack in this game. He's the favorite, of course, and that is Micah Parsons of the Dallas Cowboys. That sack on Justin Herbert basically sealed the game. Obviously, the pick was the actual thing that sealed it, but. 
What did you see from Parsons, and what do you like with his odds at plus 240? You know, they're lining him up all over the place, mm-hmm. and without Van Der Esch in there, they have to do different things. And, yeah, he didn't really he didn't, he didn't catch his target until the end, but it looked like he was rolling his eyes the whole time. Like, all right, I'm going to find It's going to come, I'm right? going to get there, yeah. But at plus 240, I'll say, and this is funny because probably two weeks ago I came on here and compared him to Lawrence Taylor, really just to <laughs> piss uh, Giants fans off. But plus 240 might be a little low for a guy with five sacks right now. I don't even see him. I know T.J. Watts plus 270. Garrett's 3-1. to one, Miles Garrett. Danelle Hunter has 32 tackles and eight sacks and is nowhere on the board. He really is. I don't even know. Don't even look at your iPad because he's not on there. He's yeah, not on the list. He's not he's like on my 40 list. 40-1, to 50-1. I'm not sure where he is. Right. You can see. I mean, there's basically based on the odds here in front of us from FanDuel, we have a three-man race. It's Micah Parsons, T.J. Watt, who's at plus 270, Miles mm-hmm. Garrett at plus 300. Then the next guy up is Aiden Hutchinson yeah. at plus 1,600. Fred Warner also at plus 1,600. But um, do you think it is that definitive that it is just a three-man race or is this just the three defensive players that get highlighted in these games. I think they get highlighted. Uh, you know, I'm not going to rule pa- Parsons out with five sacks and he's the favorite because they have a million primetime games left. Mm-hmm. So that's big. So exposure happens uh, is a lot to do with it. That's probably why Hutchinson's higher than some of the guys with more sacks than uh, he has at 16 to one. But it, it's uh, it's likely going to be one of those three. Nick Bosa was in there 20 to one. He was in and out of that game and last night and Khalil Mack, what could you get him like at 100 to one? So I don't know. I had a sack in this game, but I mean, not enough to kind of move the needle, right? If you're you're trying to bet on someone that has a long shot. Hunter's the one, although I'm not sure why he would be so low with eight sacks. Yeah, and I I wonder if Miles Garrett will move up the board even more at some point just because, you know, gets the big win against the 49ers. Mm -hmm. Um, Even early in the season against Joe Burrow, right? There was that viral video of him like crossing up offensive tackles, right? He's kind of had those highlight moments, but Miles Garrett feels like, um, or should I say, uh, Micah Parsons feels like the short thing, right? Right now, yeah, don't 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 I don't want to confuse those those two guys, right? I want to get it together. But uh, Micah Parsons with the Cowboys, do you think if you have someone like him, that defensive weapon, that you can go to the promised land and actually contend for a Super Bowl? The actual promised land, yeah, right, Vegas, the the Jerry, the Jerry Jones promised land, Vegas is the promised land this year. (laughs) Yeah, I know we we need a little everything else to come together a little more. I I, I actually wasn't that impressed with Pollard. I feel like he's lost some speed because of the injury. He's probably Mm -hmm. seventy percent of what he was, and you know. Dak has to have more games like he did tonight, and that defense comes together as a unit, and then probably knocked out in the first round. <laughs> I, do, I don't like that optimism no, there. No. Uh, you know what I mean? But I think we can we can ham it up, and we can get Dallas <laughs> Cowboys fans to buy in again. Uh, one more track to the future for you, Sal. Yeah. Most regular season total passing touchdowns. And this is a fascinating one. I went back to 2013. Peyton Manning threw 55 touchdowns and only 10 interceptions. An insane season. The mark is really 40 touchdowns. If you go back last year, 41 touchdowns for Pat Mahomes. He led the league. Uh, Justin Herbert's gotten to 38 before back in 2021. If we look at the odds right now for the most regular season total passing touchdowns, Josh Josh Allen is the favorite at plus 300. You got Kirk Kirk Cousins at plus 450. Pat Mahomes also at plus 450. Is there some value there? Do you see someone that you want to buy in on and think could actually hold this record at the end of the season? Yeah, I don't I don't think it's any of those three for value. I mean, one mm-hmm. of those three could certainly win, but it's pretty bunched up. It's funny, Herbert's up there at plus 750. I think it only has like seven or eight, whereas Cousins at plus 450 has 14 touchdowns already. Tua also has 14. Right. Six to one. 
Tua. Why not? Uh, right? It feels like they're kind of handicapping the idea that he's not going to play every game yeah. right, with that kind of value. But he's shown so far that he's been able to play. And yeah. when he does play, they're dynamic and as dynamic as any team in the league compared to the 2007 Patriots offense already. So I, I think Tua right there at plus 600 is I'm great I'm starting value. to think it's the Shohei Otani effect where <laughs> he may not have to play every game to win this this award. Or it's not really an award. Just to touch uh, top the league and touch. Total pass. What is it? I'm so excited from the win. I really am. Still a day later. <laughs> Regular season total passing touchdowns. And again, listen, he could play 15 games and have that locked up, is right. what I'm saying, like Otani did. That's Absolutely. And uh, 40 is the number. So if you get to 40, good things will happen. So Herbert there is at plus 750. Maybe you can buy into the hype. But uh, like I said, 27 and 27 right now yeah. as a starting quarterback. So uh, a conversation will be had, which leads me to my last and final thing before we get to the break here. The Los Angeles Chargers to mm. make the playoffs before the game yes was plus 100 we assume that number will move up a little bit maybe plus 200 plus 250 yeah. do you think the la chargers will make the playoffs no, Obviously, they did last year i really don't i think there's too many good squads in the afc i don't know what so what do we think 10 and 7 gets mm-hmm. that seventh and that's probably, probably what they're looking at because they're not going to win the division right the chargers i know they play the chiefs they'll probably be a good battle this year uh this week because uh that's how it is but browns Bengals. Dolphins, I think, will all end up with a better record and not win their division. So those are your wild card teams. Yeah, I think it might be done. And then if that is the case, there's the follow-up question. We talked about the coaches at the start of this segment, and Mike McCarthy has obviously been mentioned as a first coach fired after last week. People get up in arms about things. But Brandon Staley is right there, and he is ripe for the conversation. Do you think if things go sideways, they don't make the playoffs, we're talking about Brandon Staley not being the head coach of this team? Yeah, definitely if they don't make the playoffs. I don't know if he's first coach fired because he's gonna they'll compete I think they'll probably mm-hmm. have about seven wins you know with two or three weeks left so uh you can't find there's usually somebody who goes before then maybe Riverboat Ron I don't know <laughs> I know they do keep winning you can't can't fire the Panthers guy yet too early I, I think so but I mean Frank <laughs> Reich I mean if you don't win a game at some point there's got to be a conversation yeah. and meanwhile you watch Steve Wilkes with the 49ers in that defense and right. he looks great and last year almost got the Panthers to the playoff a very similar roster is what you're seeing this year yeah. except for they added a number one pick so uh right. I think that you know Frank Reich probably won't be fired after a year but a conversation will be and had Eberflus if you don't win a game. Go to, right you know, for the Bears if they, so it turns out there's a lot of guys that could be, could there's be fired a lot, a lot of bad coaches a lot <laughs> yeah. of bad quarterbacks right that's that's how it goes. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk some over and under reactions and some line look-aheads with Sal. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do, too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, You're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons.
Welcome back to Through the Ringer. I'm still here with Cousin Sal, and we get to play what I call my favorite game, and you call over under reaction. Wow. Sal, yeah, it's... I, I've heard a lot about this game. <laughs> yeah. I can't wait. I, can't I just wait. like to yeah. throw statements at you. Sometimes they're egregious, sometimes they're correct, and you tell me if it's an overreaction, underreaction, or okay. a proper reaction. It's a fun game. I'm dialing. Uh, let, let's do it. Let's start with the Browns because here's a statement for you, Sal. Mm-hmm. The Browns are better without Deshaun Watson day to day right now, Ooh. according to Steph, uh, Stefanski, his head coach, mm-hmm. and PJ Walker gets a win this weekend against a team that was undefeated coming into Cleveland. So how do we feel? Are they better without him? I feel, first of all, I feel that we're going to find out something about this Deshaun Watson that we don't know. Oh. I've really first right at, off the bat, it seems like, you know, first glance, he's clean cut and everything. I, mm. I don't know. I think we're, I think there's <laughs> going to be some controversy in terms of sitting out and sitting out for the bye and not rehabbing and coming back and being cleared to play. I'd like to say, I think this is an overreaction. I'm sorry. Oh, I'd man. like to say on the reaction, I think they might be better off without him. P.J. Walker, though, yeah, I know it was a winning effort, but under 200 yards, two interceptions. You do that the rest of the year, you're not going to win. You want your $230 million guy in there. You also like that defense, and you like Miles Garrett. He's looked good so far. So the Browns have some hope, but like you said, uh, not quite there with P.J. Walker. Next up, we got the Jacksonville Jaguars, a.k.a. the Saxonville Jaguars, are an actual real threat to win the AFC. Is that an overreaction or an hmm. underreaction? I think it's a slight overreaction. Mm. I know they've been great defensively, <laughs> and they're still trying to get the offense juice in, and it kind of worked now. Trevor Lawrence. A little banged up. That puts a little crimp in their style. But uh, 15 turnovers, I think. It's first or second in the league. Pretty damn good. But to say they are... They're not one of the front runners. I still put the Bills. I still put the Dolphins ahead of them. I still put the Chiefs ahead of them. And uh, that's so, but the defense could be a problem in January. Yeah, the defense is a conversation point, and it feels like every year we talk about quarterbacks in the offense. But this year, the storyline is the defense. Let's talk about a team that has a defense and not much else. That's my Carolina Panthers. <laughs> uh, I have a new one for you, Sal. The Carolina Panthers won't win a game this season. Is that an overreaction Ooh. or an underreaction? I think it's an overreaction. I okay. looked at this. I looked Thank at their God. schedule. I have it here somewhere. Hold on. <laughs> let me look. Uh, after their bye, Texans, Colts, Bears. You got to get one gotta of those. Get, yeah, get that, one of those. That's the stretch. You might have Bajent and Minshew in there <laughs> out of two of those three. Mm. Get a win. Other, yeah. than, other than that, you might be in trouble. I like the, the C.J. Stroud redemption game, right? He doesn't go number one overall. Right. There's been some conversations about who wanted who in that building. So mm-hmm. if Bryce Young can get a win there against C.J. Stroud. I know but, you love the owner. Are you coming around a little that he nah, might not know? Not quite. Oh, you don't not quite. Okay. No, I mean, look, there's not many owners to like in this game. So, right. you know, you got to get past Ever it. Ever since but, Michael Jordan bought that yeah, team. Maybe win a game, right? Right. Yeah. Everybody in Charlotte. Let's win a game. Uh, next up, Sal, I got the league should be flexing more of these primetime games. Now, there's a lot of rules about flexing. It can only happen after week five, and then there's a dead period, then it pops back up. I don't want to get in the minutia there, but just simply, is that an overreaction or an underreaction? That's an underreaction. Okay. They should flex all these games. I don't want to be <laughs> stuck with all. crappy standalone <laughs> games enough. I know the rule now, I think, until week 15 or 16 or 7, whatever it is, is they have to have 12 days notice. Let's move that down to 12 hours notice. I'm sorry if you bought tickets. I'm sorry if you flew out, but I can't see the Saints anymore. I can't see these same crappy teams Mm -hmm. over and over. Bury these games in the Sunday early slot. There's eight games going. You could show me a 1988 USFL game in that slot, and I wouldn't even know it because there's so many games going on. 
Let's put someone in there who we like. And why do we need these rules, right? Why can't we flex games from week two? As soon as we see a certain team, like right. a, an Aaron Rodgers injury goes down, we say that's a different team and a different landscape than what we had when we actually made the schedule. Yeah. Let's flex. Let's just keep They're flexing. They're worried about ticket buyers and everything. You don't really understand. You're a season <laughs> ticket holder who can't wait to get rid of his tickets. So right. It's a I, whole different story. With yeah, you, you got to sell those tickets uh, <laughs> ASAP. Shout out to all the Cowboys fans that are willing to buy them at any price. Go. We appreciate that. Um, next up, Sal, Robert Sala is the most delicious delusional coach in the NFL. He said that they have been embarrassing every quarterback they've played. How do you feel about that? Oh, man, it's such a long list. I mean, he is very delusional, but Belichick is delusional, too, if he thinks he's going to break this uh, Don Shula record by Mm -hmm. the time he's 85 years old. Um, All right, I'll go with it. I'll say it's an underreaction. Yeah, because what does he do? First of all, he's basically saying – I only like the defensive part of my team, and I'm responsible right. for Like, if you're going to go after every quarterback you played – by the way, it's not even true. Like, Dak Prescott embarrassed him. Mm-hmm. He had 112 passing rate. It was like – you know, Best game he's had all year. Yes, exactly. Who knows? But yesterday. But, um, you know, you'd figure out – like, yeah, your quarterback is the reason you've sucked in the games you've lost. So don't call out quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. Delusional. Well, I'm going to say, because it, it doesn't say delusional current coach. It just says delusional oh. coach. So I'm going to go with Jason Garrett. I think he's still up oh, there yeah, as number yeah. one. Oh, so I didn't I'll, know that was I'll option. leave that number one on the rankings. Uh, last one for you, Sal. Cooper Cup is the comeback player of the year. Now, uh, DeMar Hamlin mm. is number one right now, um, minus 190 to be the comeback player of the year. Cooper Cup at plus 1,800. But do you think he's actually the comeback player of the year? I think I'm going to hell. And if I don't <laughs> say it's DeMar Hamlin, I'm going to a place even further south than hell. Right. So I think he is uh, still the comeback player of the year but look out if Cooper Cup and the Rams make the playoffs you may have to consider maybe I will go that deeper state yeah hopefully you don't go that deep but uh, let's get deeper right now let's talk about the riverboat question of the week we're gonna go hit up the captain and get our prop culture because I got a question for you Sal which NFL player would you least want to meet in a dark alley or as the kids would say someone you don't want to have any smoke with and we Uh, have the odds right here we got Lawrence Taylor aka LT three to one he's the favorite we got Trent Williams at five to one if you didn't see this weekend Trent Williams I I mean, he basically was willing to take on the entire defensive back room of the of the uh-huh. Cleveland Browns in this game. Max Crosby of the Raiders at ten to one. Aaron Rodgers uh, is on this board at thirty to one. We have the Rock at thirty five to one, and then we have the field at even odds. Sal, who would you not want to see in a dark alley? This is a good list, yeah, it really is. How dark is the alley? Can I find my car? There's no way. It's really dark. It's re- It's you don't want to walk down. There. Yeah, so yeah. it doesn't really matter if it's mm-hmm. very dark. I'm not gonna. Yeah, uh, wow. Well, I mean, there's so many. There's uh, Dominican Sue's on that right. list. Antonio Brown. I thought Vontez Burfick would be tough to Burfick's see. Burfick's very yeah. good. Uh, OJ, you can never <laughs> rule him out. Uh, you know what? I'm going to say Ryan Leaf because he wow. actually hates me in real life. Uh, we had an interview that went south. Actually, the interview was great, I thought. And then afterwards, I was promoting a story he told. And I'm like, I don't even care if this is true. Uh, you got to listen to this. And he's like, what do you mean? Why the F would I lie? And all this other stuff. I was like, calm down. It's a figure of speech. So I think he actually wants to kill me. But uh, okay. But greatest Cowboys quarterback of all time. So I think that's a great pick. I think you. Ryan Leaf, uh, yeah. I, I would go with him as well. Actually, I, I think I'll go with another quarterback. I'll go with Aaron Rodgers. And it's not because I think Aaron Rodgers would hurt me. I just think mm-hmm. he would try to lecture me. Oh, yeah, um, and then yeah. if you're in a dark alley, you can't really see the the papers that he's trying to give you. Your eyesight's all messed up. Yeah, so. if you're being lectured in the dark alley, you <laughs> right. might be pickpocketed mm-hmm. by uh, some of the guys we just mentioned. Right. Yeah, it would be tough. So I like that. So we're hopping off the riverboat right now, and 
And uh, shout out to Ryan Leaf and Aaron Rodgers, the two <laughs> quarterbacks. Who would have thought Makes they sense. actually are the most scared guys uh, that you would you would not want to see in an alley. <laughs> now let's go ahead and look ahead to the Lions for Week Seven. Sal, let's start here with the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're taking on the New Orleans Saints. Uh, Saints are getting uh, Saints are favored by the three points in this game. What is going on with this line, and why would the Jacksonville Jaguars not get you know some sort of respect from Vegas going into this game? Yeah, you know every week I, I sit by my bed and before I go to, <laughs> and I say please let's see the Jacksonville Jaguars on a standalone game. Right. It wasn't enough to see him in, in London twice and now this and uh, you know it went from one and a half. They were actually favored by one and a half even like an hour after Trevor Lawrence's knee became a concern and now it's Saints by three. Uh, all indications are though that Trevor Lawrence is probably going to make a go of it. So why did this shift four and a half points is a good question. I don't know. Uh, like I said, 15 forced turnovers against an uninspiring Saints offense. That might be it. Although I don't mind watching them. Like I feel like the parts are there. They just can't put points up. You know, you have Kamara. Forget Michael Thomas for now. You know, mm-hmm. Alave's catching passes, but they just can't get touchdowns. Yeah, and it's also we get a lot of Jameis Winston shots on the sideline where right. he was lecturing Alvin Kamara, trying to explain something to him. Kamara gave him the look like, I get it. I understand it. Also, are you the quarterback of this right, team? Right, right. I, I don't know what's going on here. So the Saints are a conundrum, to say the least. The Jaguars should have Trevor Lawrence. He is day-to-day, and by all accounts, uh, Doug Peterson is saying he should play. So we'll see about that one. Next game, Sal, we got two 5-1 and one teams. we got the Miami mm. Dolphins going up to Philadelphia. Philadelphia favored in this one by two and a half at home. Who do you like in this game? You know, I would give it the full three. Honestly, there mm. used to be a time when you had two very good teams. You're going, all right, whoever's home gets three. But yeah, now right. I'm see- you're seeing more two and a half. So I think we're going to go over another one right after this. It's the same case. But as exciting as the Dolphins have been, we see that they can. They have the ability to get slapped around on the road like the Bills did to them. And the Eagles in a situation where, you know, coming off a loss, unlikely that they drop two in a row. The Lane Johnson... Uh, injury That's the is injury. very significant, so right. keep an eye on that. And but if I, he does not play in this game and the Eagles struggle again, I promise you the Philadelphia radio stations will be going crazy, and uh, they're already ready to go crazy at this point. Yeah, so that'll be a, <laughs> they're already crazy, <laughs> right? That'll be a fun game to watch. That'll be one of the best games of the weekend. Next one, we have the hottest team in the NFL, the Detroit Lions, going to take on the Baltimore Ravens. This one, like you said, was at minus two and a half. Now it looks like it's at minus three. Uh, the Ravens at home, which is more traditional. Who do you like in this game? I wish I could trust the Ravens. More Me like too. they should have smoked Tennessee right, on, on Sunday in London, right? You know, the, the Tennessee couldn't move the ball. Uh, every time I look up, they have 15 points of Ravens, some stupid score, and they're barely <laughs> surviving and they're not covering. And the week before against the Steelers, so I almost get why this one's two and a half because the Lions, I think, are better. Uh, at this point, and maybe even better on the road and getting points. It's a nice spot. I think it's a nice teaser game, too, if you want the Lions at eight and a half. And we saw Lamar Jackson. He tweeted out to the world, he doesn't care about your fantasies. He doesn't care about your oh, parlays. Oh, that's not nice. He said Yeah, that. yeah, that's what he said. And uh, I didn't know if that was directed at us or the uh, rest of the viewers, but I just want to say, Lamar Jackson, we care about you, and we want you to win these yeah. games by as much as you should, right? Yeah. That's the reality. Let me tell you, where's my camera? <laughs> Lamar Jackson, if I see you in a dark alley, where's my camera? If I can find my camera, I'd finish that thought. But yeah, he's in trouble. You'll call Ryan Leaf. I'd make probably sure, call Ryan Make Leaf. sure he's yeah. around, help you out, <laughs> hey, have some buddy. quarterback talk. Yeah, there you go. Uh, next game, we got the Las Vegas Raiders taking on the Chicago Bears. Bears are getting three points in this game at home. It's hard to handicap the Bears, especially with their quarterback. And let's talk about him because he needs a nickname, right? Bajent. Yeah. Um, do we have some some ideas for what we're going to do what with him? What did we say? Double Bajent? I think Bajin. double Bajent, secret Bajent. Secret Bajin. Yeah, Tyson Bajent, uh, Division yeah. Two quarterback out of West Virginia. Now, 
now the starting quarterback for the Bears. How do we handicap the Bears with him? Yeah, not uh, even West center. Virginia, right? It was like uh, Shepard uh, College. Shepard College, right? yeah. I guess he's just from the state of West Virginia. Well, I think they – and we did some research, and when I say we, Mikey Meatballs. Shout our, out to Mikey Meatballs. Friend. Yeah, well, yeah. shout out. But if he's wrong about this, I'll give you his home <laughs> number, and you can call him. But he said Tyson Bajan's father won 28 arm wrestling championships, 17 right-handed, 11 Left hand. I right. think the Bears heard this and said, J- just come on, we'll take you. Yeah, Team he looks two. like a franchise quarterback yeah. and sounds like a franchise quarterback. But I have to follow up and ask, how many arm wrestling competitions are there? <laughs> you know what I mean? In a year, if it, it sounds really good, yeah. but it, what is it like in reality? There's I don't one know. every two years. So for 56 <laughs> years, this guy ruled the arm wrestling circuit. What a legend. Yeah. And uh, secret Bajan, double Bajan, we'll figure it out. Let us know what you think. And yeah. uh, Chicago Bears, I kind of like it. I, I feel like Bajan could have a moment here because the Raiders, the two most uninspiring wins you'll see in back-to-back mm-hmm. weeks. So we'll see what happens in Chicago. Next up, Sal, we got the Pittsburgh Steelers taking on the L.A. Rams. Rams favored by three points at home in SoFi. Did the Steelers fans come into L.A. and take over oh, SoFi? Yeah, it'll be worse than it was with the Cowboys <laughs> right. last night. Uh, look, I was way off on this Sunday night when we guessed this with Simmons. I mm. thought the Steelers would be favored. I thought there'd be more Steelers uh, backers there. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what that short passing attack that the Rams uh, employ with Puka and Cooper – uh, can do Kieran Williams now out. I think doubtful now. His availability could be important too. Probably out with an ankle injury. But this is one of like the three or four games I wanna I'm looking forward to seeing. Yeah, I'm excited for that one. Are you worried about Puka Nakua? Because some people after this past weekend they they were saying that he's fallen off. He's not the same yeah. Puka that we saw early on. <laughs> are, are we worried it's a little bit of like a rookie fatigue, right? As we as we get into week yeah. seven. This is not our Puka. <laughs> yeah. Right. I heard rookie a lot of people f- saying that. <laughs> we're already exhausted and it's week seven. We feel for you, Puka. Yeah, we're right there with you, Puka. Uh last game, Sal. We got the 49ers who um, had a very deflating loss there in Cleveland, taking on the Minnesota Vikings. Vikings getting seven points in this game. How do we feel about Kirk Cousins with those amount of points? Yeah, again, it feels like a long um, year already because with injury-wise, like if McCaffrey is kept out of this one, Mm -hmm. we don't know as of the time of the taping, seven is too rich. Um, But if Cousins is the quarterback, I don't know. They restructured him to a $20 million signing bonus and he's putting up mediocre numbers. This defense might just tee off on him, you know, Purdy won't have to worry about weather. It was another teaser game. Maybe I put this with the Lions, like 49ers just to win, plus the Lions, plus eight and a half. That's the teaser I'm looking at right now. I like that teaser, even though Lamar Jackson probably doesn't, but I think that'll <laughs> be a good one. Uh, Brock Purdy, are we concerned after this performance? Are we trying to wipe it away and say it was, you know, the weather and playing one of the best defenses in the NFL? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I, I'm not concerned, but if he ever, ever does this again, mm-hmm. right back to Division Two football, wherever yeah. he came from. Shepherd College. No, I don't know. No, <laughs> I think he'll be fine. Yeah, let's send him back. And uh, last week he was plus 700 to win MVP. Those odds are obviously significantly changing, but it's probably good for Christian McCaffrey. We talked about McCaffrey being an MVP guy. If he does come back, he came back in the game and then went back out with the injury. Yeah. Um, are we still buying the hype that he could actually be the MVP? I think that's the one thing. Like you say, are you worried about Brock Purdy? I, I think like that's the one thing that was established. Like McCaffrey is the MVP of this right. team, right? So, but uh, they're going to be fine. Well, we're having fun here, cousin Sal. I appreciate you coming on the show. (laughs) You're done with this again. We have Cousin Sal's winning weekend on Friday right after Through the Ringer. We also have the Ringer Wise Guys on Sunday. How fun was it to have Bill Simmons make an appearance? That was was great to see uh, as I was online scrolling on Sunday. It was great. I (laughs) I was hoping he'd put his $300,000 pair of contact lenses in, but he didn't even treat us to that. (laughs) Maybe next time. Well, Sal, thanks so much for coming on the show. All right, buddy. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. 
Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. Welcome back to Through the Ringer. And joining us now, it is the Press Box's very own Brian Curtis. Brian, you're feeling good. We just uh, last night watched the Dallas Cowboys get a win on Monday Night Football. What was that like seeing that? We all watched it together in the theater, and I could see you smiling uh, from, from right in front of me as we watched it all happen. I just feel great for Mike McCarthy. <laughs> right. I really do. Oh, my God. Validation. Whatever you want to say. He all got the it. nice things I've been saying about <laughs> Mike McCarthy for the last seven days mm-hmm. since they lost to San Francisco, just got hammered in that game. Right. You know, he deserved it, right? Couldn't have happened to a better guy. Yeah, and it seemed like uh, throughout that game, he was just trying to make sure that we saw his play sheet and that America <laughs> could screenshot it. But um, aside from the Mike McCarthy, Kellen Moore rivalry that was brewing on the broadcast, Dak Prescott got a lot of heat after that 49ers game. There was a lot of conversations. Is he the right guy? There were articles written, you know, the $60 million problem for the Cowboys. And Dak has had both sides of the coin in Dallas. What What is it like to be the Dallas quarterback and kind of the media coverage that ensues when you have that position? It's got to be absolute hell right. after a game like the Niners. I mean, just awful. Mm-hmm. Because you're Dak Prescott, so you're trying to live up to the legacy of Troy Aikman and Roger Staubach. And then... People just looking at your contract. Okay, so if they pay $60 million <laughs> next year that they can this get out from under This is what we get it. for $60 million? Yeah, and right. then we can get out from under it, right? Mm-hmm. And we can move on to who? We don't. There's no other quarterback on the Cooper roster. Rush. Cooper Rush. Sure, <laughs> play some football. So it's got to be horrible. Mm-hmm. And what was amazing about the Monday night game was none of that looked like it was in the offense. Right. Dak was making plays improvising, right? None of that looked like it was drawn up exactly that way. So it was a good win for the Cowboys, but it was a particularly good win for Dak because I think he showed a lot of things that were not, let us say, schemed by uh, Mr. McCarthy. Yeah, it definitely felt like uh, it was not scripted, uh, to say the least. And Dak Prescott improvising is something that's been a knock on him. People were talking about his mobility in general. Uh, You mentioned Troy Aikman. I do find that fascinating where you have a guy calling the game who has been in those shoes before. How hard is it to kind of separate those two realities? And how hard is it for Troy even, I know you've interviewed him, to try to call a game fairly when he's actually been in that position? I think he's really good at calling it down the middle. Mm -hmm. But tonight, as someone who lives in Dallas and as a former Cowboys quarterback, you could tell he was so grumpy about the Cowboys offense. (laughs) He sounded like a Cowboys radio caller. I mean, he was just pissed off. He's like, oh, uh, and at one point he just stopped and Joe's like, no, don't tap out. (laughs) We need you. We need you to keep going. But you could just tell. So I think it's more like. Pride, you know, somebody told me one time Troy Aikman is just disgusted by bad football. Mm-hmm. So when he sees the Cowboys offense clunking along, he's 
he gets pissed off. Yeah, and uh, we've seen Peyton Manning, right? Every time that he does the Monday night broadcast and a quarterback like a Daniel Jones, for example, makes a bad play. I mean, you can see the disdain in his face as he watches it all play out. Um, Mike McCarthy, let's talk about him quickly. Is there still hope that Mike McCarthy could be the head coach that leads Dallas to the promised land and gets him a Super Bowl that they've been searching for since 1995? So he's certainly been a very good coach. Cowboys mm-hmm. have won 12 games the right. last two years. That gets lost. He has results. It he, doesn't look the prettiest, but he does have results. He does have results. And and look, they've played really well. They just haven't played well in the playoffs the last two years. So I think the key with him is he took over the offenses here. This is his baby. He mm-hmm. owns this thing. So if the Cowboys are good, if they have another 12-win season, maybe get to the NFC Championship game, he's fine. But if the Cowboys fall apart, he owns this thing. And, you know, you got to think Jerry Jones is probably going to look to make a move. Yeah, what is the move that Jerry – what is the big swing, right? Because Jerry Jones, as the years wane on, we know that he is, you know, thirsty for that Super Bowl. He wants to have one that he says, the feather's in my cap. This is my team. I built this. Yeah. I built a, I built the Super Bowl, um, you know, outside of the constructs of what we saw in the 90s before. So, like, what is the leash for Jerry with the fan base at this point? Like, how far can we let Jerry go before <laughs> we don't get our desired results well you know what the biggest swing out there is don't you mm. boulder colorado you're right coach prime <laughs> come on now that would be the most the jerry-like swing he's got, yeah he's already Not got some it. offensive coordinator mm. who's you know wearing a visor it's Deion Sanders. Right. That would be the biggest swing humanly possible, and, and totally crazy, by the way. What about Nick Saban or Bill Belichick, right? I mean, are, are these people, like, when does Jerry pick up the red phone and say, I need I need someone to come back here and win me a Super Bowl because I, I have to have it before I, you know, bid adieu to this world? And really the only time he's done that is with Bill Parcells, mm-hmm. where truly was the red phone. I mean, a lot of coordinators, a lot of guys like McCarthy who are good coaches but needed work. Parcells was the one time is like, yep, we got to go there. That would be, and then when you talk about Belichick, there's no way those two could work together, except that Belichick's mentor, Bill Parcells, did work there. Right. And and was was good for mm-hmm. four seasons. So Maybe. And Belichick sees a path, right? Like you said, his mentor did it before him. He's trying to break Don Shula's record. Maybe easier to break the record when you have pieces like Micah Parsons and the the defense that they've been able to put together in Dallas, something that he has his calling card. Um, how fascinating was it to watch, you know, Michael Irvin and Jimmy Johnson in the building tonight <laughs> in SoFi, uh, or last night, I should say, having their moment together and and. Will we ever see that again where 30-some-odd years later these guys still have cachet with the fan base? It's really funny, right? Because right. not only are they all you know Hall of Famers, but they're all on TV. And they've been on TV for like 25 years. Yeah. So we just lived with all these people. I mean, I'm not sure it would be the same thing if you didn't turn on television every Sunday and see these guys. Mm. I mean, Emmett was on television for a while. Yeah, and he's doing podcasts he's now. Still I mean, doing these his guys thing. are everywhere, right? Yeah, so it's, it's just funny with Cowboys. Same thing with Tony Romo. I mean, what would Tony Romo be purely based on his football career if he wasn't calling the game of the week every week on CBS. It's funny how old Cowboys just sort of live on and on. Yeah, and America's team continues to live on, even though they might not be quote-unquote America's team today. One of those teams that America is obsessing over is the Philadelphia Eagles. So I wanted to ask you about this. The Eagles lose in astounding fashion. They lose to the Jets. Jalen Hurts has a late-game interception. And all the good faith that the Philadelphia fans you know, have, have kind of built up with this Eagles team seem to be thrown out the window, for at least for the time being. And Philadelphia radio is going crazy. I wanted to ask you just about that economy of sports conversation because is it almost better sometimes when your team loses for the radio guys because they get to go absolutely, uh, you know, 
nuclear with some of these takes, and uh, you've seen it in Philadelphia right now. I always congratulate sports radio on their next six days of content whenever you have a loss. Like Philly to the Jets, because right. you guys got it. The show, we just ran the, the whole rundown, right? I even did that right, right after the Jets game. And people are like, you know the Phillies are playing right? Like, Still, yeah, come that, on. That'll be the C block. Yeah, it's the C block. Right. But we got it. No, I. it's funny, because sports radio hosts will always tell you they want success. Mm-hmm. They want those teams to succeed, because that's actually more fun. Like, I was talking to a Detroit sports radio guy recently on my pod, and it was like, he's like, dude. This is not fun. Yeah. Like, you know, the Lions for the last 20 years. This is not fun. <laughs> but I think the ideal is a really good team like Philly that's always going to be around, was in the Super Bowl last year, but then you have just enough moments during the season, you know, inflection points where you're like, okay, today's just going to be an absolute bloodbath on sports mm-hmm. radio. And that's why people like us tune in. Because I know when my teams lose, I want to hear somebody who is as mad as I am, who reflects what I'm feeling. We all want to vent together, and I think that's why sports radio still hits today. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk to Brian about NBA Media Day, James Harden, and a little bit of Texas football. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Welcome back to Through the Ringer. We're still here with Brian Curtis, and uh, we talked about the Dallas Cowboys, talked about the Philadelphia media a little bit, but now we want to talk about something near and dear to your heart, and we're talking about, of course, the Texas Longhorns. Let's talk about the football program. We saw the Texas-Oklahoma game. I know that was close to heart, close to your heart and uh, close to home, to say the least, but where are we right now with the Sark experience? Because you still have a path to the playoff, and uh, that's all you need in college football to have some optimism. I went to Texas OU, Right. went in with some very high expectations a lot of us texas fans have been saying this is different this year yeah it's not the same old sark you beat bama we beat bama it's not the same (laughs) old longhorns and then oh they lose to ou which is kind of same old texas um i am at a place where i think they they can still do this right yeah there is a path here the big 12 is really bad this year Mm -hmm. texas could run the board beat oklahoma in the big 12 championship and go, go to the college football playoff but the margin of error is just really tiny I mean, really, really tiny. And you look at Texas and you're like, ugh, ugh. Mm. You know, the best thing I could say about the OU game tape is that it was a Mac Brown kind of loss. Oh, yeah, of course. Old school Texas, where you bring in the good athletes <laughs> and yeah. then you lose. Yeah. You say, no, no, we had the more talented team and we blew it. It's a Mac Brown kind of game. Yeah, well, I think that's why it's close to home to me as I watch it. For whatever reason, I felt for all the Texas fans, and immediately I started looking at the schedule as we're prone to do, and you try to map out what the path looks like. And one of the games I circled that I was concerned with is the TCU game. TCU has won seven of the last nine games against Texas. Can we just talk about that stark contrast from what it used to be to what it is today, (laughs) that you have this many teams in Texas that seem to get the best of Texas? Oh, my gosh. I mean, and this goes back to me because we grew up in Fort Worth watching TCU just gets steamrolled by Texas every year. But that's been the one Big 12 thing that has just been absolutely uncrackable for Texas for mm. whatever reason. 
And TC was in the national championship game right. this year. That's where the blue blood schools think we should be. Not <laughs> that's you. Our spot, yeah, right? that's how yeah. you took my spot. <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, I that's the game I think I fear the most on the schedule. Mm. It's at TCU. It's in Fort Worth. It's the end of the Big Twelve. Everybody feels like they owe Texas one more on the way out the door. The referees we say on the message boards yeah. owe us one on the way out the door. I'm worried. That could be the game. And also, it's you mentioned the fact that the SEC is on the horizon. You have Greg Sankey there at the game yeah. watching Oklahoma play Texas. What does that future look like with those two schools jumping to the conference together? Because they almost have to help each other out at some level going to a new conference. It's really interesting. So I saw Greg mm-hmm. Sankey in the press box availing himself of the barbecue buffet. <laughs> this is the new normal. <laughs> Greg Sankey's eating barbecue right. at Texas OU. Yeah. You're right. They are joined together. And it's weird because they're bringing this really valuable thing, which is the Texas-Oklahoma game. Mm-hmm. Huge game every year. You can put it at 12 o'clock, 3 o'clock, 6 o'clock, whatever oh, time oh, it is, oh, everybody's oh, watching. Oh, hold on there, buddy. 6 right. o'clock? That's never happened <laughs> for me. What are you talking about? No, this is an early start, yeah, 11 a.m. Right. Central. Right. As long as, though, it's surrounded by the State Fair of Texas. Mm-hmm. So you get this weird thing where they go on these weird carnival rides and then go to a football <laughs> game in the same day, eat corn dogs or corny dogs. Mm. Do they call them corny dogs in North Carolina? We too? call them corn dogs. You just corn dogs? Yeah. Corny, that Funnel was a Texas cakes and thing. corn dogs. That's at the State Fair. But it's almost like Oklahoma and Texas have this valuable thing and they're bringing it together, which is their rivalry. Mm-hmm. And then the bigger question, of course, is do they do anything in the SEC against the likes of Alabama and Georgia in those schools? Well, it's good when you beat Alabama, right, this year. That was that was something to, to hang your hat on. And then also you got Arch Manning in the future. Dude. Where are we with Arch and Sark? Do we think that's a good combination? I saw him talking about Arch. I mean, th- is that still the optimism that we saw when he committed, right? Everyone's excited for the Arch era. Absolutely. During Texas OU, I'm looking down from the press box, and every time out, he would walk onto the field and start loosening up. Just get the crowd going a little yeah, bit. Yeah, and it was almost like this vision of the future. Right? He's not playing today. Mm-hmm. He's third string, right. probably, right? He's not going out there, but everything, you know, just loosen up. Just, just Very Aaron Rodgers of him, just to get out there and throw the ball a little bit, totally. play a little catch, right? You get everybody, you know, fired up. So we love that. We're happy for Texas football. Now I want to pivot. I want to talk about the NBA because, as we know, we work at the Ringer. The NBA is right around the corner. Uh, Bill Simmons is recording an eight-hour podcast right now, I'm sure, about everything that's going to happen in the NBA. But I wanted to ask you about kind of one of the more fascinating stories. We have a, a former GM, Bob Myers, of course, from the Warriors. He goes to ESPN. Now he's on with NBA Countdown. Um, he's there with Malika Andrews and. She's asking him about, you know, the ins and outs of the Clay Thompson contract negotiation. Someone who was just on this side of the table is now on TV talking about being on that table or, you know, surrounded by that group that makes that decision. How fascinating is that and how much of that is kind of the new NBA insider economy that we see? I think it totally is. And what Mm -hmm. you're getting when you hire somebody like Bob Myers are the fresh details. Right. You can tell us, if you're willing to tell us, Stuff that just happened, mm-hmm. that's just fresh out of the front office, fresh off the court. So that's what you're getting. Here's the downside. He clearly wants to get back into the NBA. That was not his last job. So his audience should be all of us at home, but it's probably the dozen or so teams that might hire Bob Myers in the next year or two. And that, to me, is always the risk with getting coaches or GMs because they always want to get back into the sport. Mm -hmm. So how much are you going to get? What kind of honesty are you going to get from Bob Myers over the next couple of years? And we saw when they asked him the first time about Clay Thompson, I mean, you could just hear kind of the frog in his throat. I mean, he felt emotional as he talked about it, and there's been speculation that was part of the reason why he wanted to get out of that role because he didn't want to deal with the emotional impact of making those tough decisions. So it is fascinating to watch. And then on the flip side of that, if he does get 
give you good insight insight like you said teams around the nba owners are like can we trust this guy with with insider information if he's going to go share it it's a very fine line to toe for him in his first year kind of doing this media role totally because you don't want to piss off the wrong owner who happens to be <laughs> right. watching nba who could countdown. be your future boss now, this all depends on him getting a word in on nba countdown with Stephen a because <laughs> we know nba countdown with Stephen a is like the james harden rockets right we, you dribble the ball and we're just going to kind of stand in the corner and take a moat. Well, yeah. well, we have our hands up. We're ready. We we can take the open three. Yeah, can uh, I take PJ a corner Tucker, three? Right here yeah, we go. So he may actually just go the whole season without talking, and then he's safe. No problem. Yeah, you mentioned James Harden. I have to ask about that. The coverage of James Harden. It does feel like you know we lived in the player empowerment era. We saw all that happen. James Harden asked for a trade the first time. We said. That's right, James. You should get out of Houston. He asked for it the second time in Brooklyn. We're like, yeah, bad situation, James. You should get out of there. Now he's on the third strike. He goes to China. He calls out Darren Morey. says he doesn't trust the front office. Now we have reports saying that he wants to play for the Clippers. He was also willing to play for the Sixers for the rest of his career without Darren Morey. Where, where do we stand with this saga, and how how interesting is it to see how he's covered versus some of the other stars that have done this before him? It's totally fascinating because, as you say, the media – often is pro player in these situations. Mm -hmm. We've said, okay, right. you want out, we want you out. Mm -hmm. That's fine. We want you to do what you do. But So is this the fact that it's the third time? Is that why the media is rearing <laughs> I think up? So. I think or it's is it it's James Harden right. who probably had less sympathy going in? Mm -hmm. I think it could be either one or a combination thereof. But it's so fascinating to see people flip. Because I don't know, what, in the player empowerment era, we haven't had the media flip on that many players. I'm trying to think of another one. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think it really happens. Be Dame, just because of how long it kind of strung out, you felt like people yeah. maybe turned on him, but it wasn't really directly on Dame. Not as much on him particularly. Right. James, it feels very personal at some level, where people already have kind of decided who he is, and therefore this is confirmation bias that he is who they thought he was. He only cares about himself. You get the Ime Udoka. He wanted to be, quote-unquote, the scoring champ in Houston. Mm -hmm. That's why he doesn't want to play in Houston. So, like, it, where does this end and is this going to be something that drags out the entire season at some point it seems like it <laughs> right <laughs> but we've seen you know with a couple of these that it seems like it's going to drag out and then boom it's all of a sudden it's done mm -hmm. and everybody's happy or at least you know happier than they were before um but it's weird right because with the media we want transactions that that's what we live on our nba yeah. transactions especially here at the ringer we get excited emergency <laughs> podcast right. here we go right. but this one seems to be one that people don't even want the transaction. Mm -hmm. They just kind of want it to be over. Yeah, they want to just go away. They want the saga to be over with. And Philadelphia fans, we feel for you. We know they're going through it right now. One last thing, I thought this was fascinating with the Harden stuff, is Terrence Mann uh, of the Clippers, really good basketball player, but it has come out the Clippers have said he is quote-unquote untouchable. Um, I, I love the world that we live in the NBA. We're so built on potential that guys that are have not even gotten to that level of all-star are quote-unquote untouchable. How fascinating is that and how different is that than what it used to be. Yeah, absolutely, right? Because that, that's not my idea of untouchable. <laughs> right, yeah. Like Terrence Mann, a really good basketball player, but now he's untouchable according to the reports. It's interesting because when you when you change the whole world to transactions, it becomes about assets, mm -hmm. things matching up, right? And that is the idea. If we're calling players assets, that's an asset. Yeah. Which is like not a superstar player, not the greatest player on earth, but a player who makes salaries work, who's a bargaining chip for further trades, Right a commodity within this NBA trade system. Yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating world that we're living in, and uh, we got a whole new tournament that's added this year. The NBA is going to be great theater as always. Brian Curtis, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thank you, Tate.